So I'm speaking about deep spirituality, and I thought seeing as I'm neither particularly deep nor spiritual, it might be helpful to uh, just determine what we uh, what we mean when we talk about the word spirituality. It's a word that gets bandied about an awful lot today, used by all kinds of people, uh, not necessarily even Christians. Um, so for our purposes today, I've taken this from uh, the Bible Dictionary of Evangelical Theology or something. Uh, spirituality involves the relationship between the whole person that's helpful the whole person and a holy god who reveals himself through his word uh, and his son this relationship begins at creation was broken by sin and is only restored through faith in christ the guarantee of christian spirituality is the presence and power of the holy spirit in the life of the believer leading to conformity to god's revealed will that's a lot um, but that's a kind of helpful parameter perhaps um, i want to suggest that deep spirituality uh, in fact, is uh, true, authentic, Anglican spirituality, uh, which is, of course, nothing other than biblical spirituality. Um, thus, it is, of course, shaped by the gospel. It's rooted in the finished work of Christ and the application of that finished work to the heart and life of a believer by the Holy Spirit. In the history of the church and in the present day, various false gospels uh, or distortions of the biblical gospel inevitably lead to false and or distorted spiritualities. Uh, that these various aberrations can and do appear in Anglicanism is not the fault of Anglicanism per se, uh, but it can help to discern what is true by being aware of the counterfeits. Um, I just bullet pointed a whole load of them. Uh, we're plagued by counter spiritualities in church life, such as uh, shallow spirituality, dualist, spirituality, super spirituality, ritualistic spirituality, legalistic spirituality, licentious spirituality, individualistic spirituality, narrow truncated spirituality, unbalanced distorted spirituality, and uh, I'm sure you can think of others. I'm going to read through, uh, rattle through a number of aspects of what I think shape true biblical and thus uh, uh, Anglican spirituality. Um, and they're kind of they each one of them is a is a talk in itself so i'm, I'm kind of dipping into each one and trying to say a few uh, a little bit about each and to help frame that i'm seeking to root this in the 39 articles the prayer book and the ordinal as what i take to be uh, foundational for authentic anglicanism uh, i've come up with eight marks of deep spirituality or as i should have come up with nine uh, but i've got eight uh, but that leaves you free to think of others um, uh, unlike scripture you can add to this uh, so uh, eight marks of deep spirituality i'll i'm moving at a bit of a pace but hopefully not too quick firstly god is creator and sustainer uh, it's a world and life affirming spirituality that's not wary or suspicious of the created order uh, the wonderful general thanksgiving prayer in the prayer book says uh, as we, we give thanks to God, we thine unworthy servants do give thee most humble and hearty thanks 
for all thy goodness and loving kindness to us and to all men, that all men, all people, we bless thee for our creation, preservation, and blessings of this life. Of course, he goes on to talk about our redemption, but he first thanks God for the blessings he gives to all people, and in particular uh, for creation and preservation. In other words, this is not a narrow, truncated spirituality, uh, but because God is creator and sustainer of all life, uh, it means that we pray uh, for the royal family, for parliament, for magistrates, for those who travel, for prisoners, the sick, the fatherless, the widows, the desolate, the oppressed. We pray for rain, we pray for good weather so we can harvest the fruits of the earth and so on. Uh, the point is, we care about this world. It's not a spirituality that withdraws from this world. It's in this, in the right sense, it's life and world affirming. Uh, and uh, all the concerns of this present life now in creation that we care about. It's not a spirituality withdrawn from the real world of illness, virus, politics, war, famine. It's not dualistic. Uh, thinking that to be truly spiritual necessarily entails being indifferent to or suspicious of the physical world. We rejoice in these things. Uh, but of course, in the context of God as creator of a world that's now fallen under the curse of sin, suffering and death, deep spirituality is at heart gospel focused. God not only is creator, but our redeemer. So secondly, a mark of true spirituality, deep spirituality is an emphasis on the holiness and a delight in the holiness of God. Every communion service, we join with angels, dark angels, the whole company of heaven praising God and saying, holy 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 lord god of hosts heaven and earth are full of your glory and so inseparably connected to this therefore uh, number three a healthy doctrine of the sinfulness of sin i love the fact that in our liturgy we have confessions that can bear the weight of my sinfulness uh, quote we acknowledge and bewail are manifold sins and wickedness, not little mistakes, wickedness, which we from time to time have grievously committed, provoking most justly your wrath and indignation. Remembrance them is grievous unto us, the burden of them is intolerable. Or again, we have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We've offended against thy holy law. There is no health in us. Have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Uh, a couple of quick comments on that. This is a spirituality that takes seriously the depth of my sinfulness. And again, not just my outward actions, but the wicked devices and desires of my heart. It's big enough, deep enough to bear the weight of my sin. Little sins need a little saviour and a little gospel, which lead to a shallow and trivial spirituality. Moralistic, legalistic spirituality denies or ignores the depths of my sinfulness. Very keen to point out the sinfulness of others, uh, but happy to turn a blind eye to my own. But Anglican spirituality confronts it and uncovers it in order that I may repent of it. It's not a shallow spirituality awash with cheap grace telling me all is well and I'm really a jolly good chap. The confession profoundly encourages me that even as a great uh, sinner, uh, I can confess my sins and have assurance of forgiveness of sins because I have an even greater saviour. So I don't need to try to cover or hide or deny them. 
speaks to the depths of my heart, bringing God's light into dark places. That's what changes people. Uh, fourthly, and of course connected to this, uh, justification by faith. Crystal clear as a, as a foundational uh, doctrine of the Anglican Church. Article 11, we are counted righteous before God only for the merit of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ by faith, not for our own works or deservings, wherefore we are justified by faith only, or faith alone, is a most wholesome doctrine. Crystal clear and foundational. The only way sinful people can be accepted by a holy God is through this gospel, not only in the articles, but also Anglican liturgy is shot through with this doctrine. Mark uh, alluded to this yesterday and uh, I'll just remind us of this, the quote from uh, the liturgist Gregory Dix, not an evangelical himself, but he wrote at the prayer book communion service, it is not a disordered attempt at a Catholic rite, but the only effective attempt ever made to give liturgical expression to the doctrine of justification by faith. Uh, think about that a moment, how, how significant that is that we built into our weekly fabric of our corporate worship, an exposition, an application of the doctrine of justification by faith to the hearts and lives of all believers. And we were thinking yesterday, what do we do with our churches where we have perhaps nominal attenders? Well, the prayer book or the liturgy is, is on our side for us to use and expound and help people. These are the words you're saying every week and to, to help them connect up what these words mean and how they, uh, they express the biblical truth. And so we rejoice in the finished work of Christ, again, who through his sacrificial death made for us a full, perfect, sufficient sacrifice, oblation and satisfaction of the sins of the whole world. How wonderful that is to have that proclaimed every week to tender consciences weighed down by sin. And, and we remember in the communion service who made there on the cross, not as we gather, we're remembering the cross. And that's where our hope lies. This assured confidence in the finished, perfect sacrificial work of Christ is the foundation for Christian living. It's fundamental as an article of Anglican doctrine. A holy God, a sinful people, and a glorious saviour enshrined in our liturgy, experienced week in, week out, helps the truth of this doctrine to penetrate below the surface of our lives into our hearts. And in all our congregations, that's the battle to get this in. Um, and that's the basis for deep spirituality. In his book, uh, Spiritual Dynamics, Richard Lovelace wrote, uh, wrote this, only a fraction of the present body of professing Christians are solidly appropriating the justifying work of Christ in their lives. Many have so light an apprehension of God's holiness and of the extent and guilt of their sin that consciously they see little need of justification, although below the surface of their lives they are deeply guilt-ridden and insecure. Few know enough to start the day with a thoroughgoing stand upon Luther's platform you are accepted, looking outward in faith and claiming the holy alien righteousness of Christ as the only ground for acceptance, relaxing in that quality of trust, which will produce increasing sanctification as faith is active in love and gratitude. A strong rooting in justification by faith leads to number five, sanctification or godly living, holiness of life. 
but the twin enemies of gospel living, cheap grace and legalism. But true Anglican spirituality, uh, perhaps out of step with even uh, some present day evangelicals, exudes a love for the law of God, understanding it as an expression of his character and therefore not a means to salvation, but as a guide to holy living. Again, Article 7. Though the law given by Moses as touching ceremonies and rites do not bind Christians, nor the civil precepts ought of necessity to be received in any commonwealth, yet notwithstanding, no Christian person whatsoever is free from the obedience of the commandments, which are called moral. And again, that finds expression in our liturgy, in the communion service, the reading of the Ten Commandments is not, as is sometimes thought, as a prelude to saying the confession. Rather, after each commandment, we say, Lord, have mercy upon us and incline our hearts to keep this law. Uh, it's a beautiful uh, refrain. And neither cheap grace, where godly living is not important, nor legalism, uh, where the law is taught as a means of salvation or a focus on outward behavior only, but a prayer that as members of the new covenant for whom God promises to write his law on our hearts, we pray for a heart deep inclination to embrace and keep this law. Six, means of grace. Uh, the general thanksgiving prayer, we thank God for the means of grace. Uh, what are the means of grace? Well, uh, namely the word of God, especially the preaching of God's word, diligent prayer and the sacraments, which the catechism defines as outward and visible signs of an inward spiritual grace given to us as a means whereby we receive the same and a pledge to assure us. Again, there is no hidden secret. There's no sort of profound mystery, which only the super spiritual uh, elite are privy to, but it's the ordinary but diligent use of the means God has given us, these are the key to the spiritual life and health. The Catechism speaks of diligent prayer. And so these means of grace are neither automatic, but nor are they to be appropriated in an indifferent, casual, slovenly way, but rather it's by the diligent use of the means of grace that we grow in grace and love, in communion and fellowship with the Lord. Like Naaman despising the seeming orderliness of the River Jordan, so those pursuing a super spirituality marked by secret or special experience of spiritual ecstasy known only to the privileged few can overlook or despise these ordinary means of grace. But these are the God ordained means through which the Holy Spirit causes love and grace into our lives. Three things on this quickly. It means, therefore, a strong commitment to and prizing of the sacraments, uh, more than perhaps is common among many evangelicals. Uh, in baptism, the BCP, our confidence is not in us, but in God's sovereign covenantal grace. Hence the exhortation in the baptism service in the BCP, doubt ye not, therefore, but earnestly believe. And in the Lord's Supper, we're not simply memorialists, but we believe that as we eat the bread and drink the wine, that we do so that we may feed on Christ in our hearts by faith. It means a commitment to prayer, the heartbeat of true spirituality, but note in particular an emphasis on corporate prayer. We have a book of common prayer. 
a shared life together, which is at heart a life of prayer. It's not a doctrine book. It's a prayer book. Uh, greatly underestimated today. Notice just how often uh, in the early chapters in particular, but in the book of Acts, how Luke draws attention to the corporate prayer life of the church. Again, authentic spirituality is corporate. It's not me on my own withdrawn with God. And under this also, it's a spirituality, of course, deeply rooted in the word of God. The BCP intends we read the book of Psalms every month. The lectionary intends for us uh, for most of the Old Testament to be read every year and the New Testament twice a year. Uh, the Murray McChain uh, reading plan is really for sort of lightweight Presbyterians. <laughs> the liturgy is in effect scripture fueled prayer. Uh, we, we are under the word authority of the word of God and the Bible is the chief instrument of ministry. So a Bible is given at the ordination of a presbyter with a charge to be messengers, watchmen and stewards of the Lord to teach and promonish to feed and provide for the Lord's family. That's all through the ministry of the word and to seek for Christ's sheep that are dispersed abroad. How? Through the proclamation of the gospel. Which leads seven to a commitment to evangelism. Again, distorted spiritualities can become overly introspective and self-preoccupied, marked by withdrawal and indifference, even suspicion of the world. But true biblical Anglican spirituality is always evangelistically focused. There was no more godly man who ever walked the face of this earth than the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's nobody who had a greater love for the lost and a zeal for their salvation that took him to the cross. And so when Paul writes in Romans 9 of the unceasing anguish in his heart, wishing even to be accursed for the sake of the salvation of his fellow Jews, he reveals a spirituality that's flowing right from the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ, rooted in his union and communion with him. And that, too, is authentic and spirituality. We just noted in the ordinal, that's part of the charge to ordained ministry, a commitment to seek out the lost. It's revealed in the parish system, whereby as the national church, our intention is to serve and to minister to and to evangelize the whole nation and every single person in it. We, we don't, we we're not aim at one sector or one part. We're present everywhere, why? So that we can reach Christ, reach them for Christ. That's spirituality. That's a gospel wrought uh, love for the lost in our hearts. And then eighth and finally, it is theocentric and gloriously doxological. Anglican spirituality always leads to praise and to worship. All good theology leads to doxology. It is not incidental that the BCP communion services finish with the Gloria as we proclaim together, glory be to God on high, in earth peace, goodwill towards men, we praise thee, we bless thee, we worship thee, we glorify thee, we give thanks to thee for thy great glory.